you can do this in any niche, but this is a, a secret that we've been using that I want to give practically to everyone listening. If you open your email inbox right now, you probably have a lot of different brands and companies and even people who are emailing you from their list. And it has some long subject line that is obviously promotional and all this stuff. And so we scraped all of that. And what I would literally do, and I have all my students do this as well, is when we were sending these emails out to get booked to speak, the subject line was the same every single time. And it was two words. It was quick question. And I would literally for the first and second word, do it in lowercase. And the reason we do that is because it looks the exact opposite of a spam or marketing or promotional, anything that you open your email and you're like, I don't want to open this. But when you see someone say quick question in the subject line and it's all lowercase, that looks like it's coming from a friend or from family or from a colleague or something like that. And you're going to open it. Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and freedom slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to the Freedom Slay podcast. If you're someone who's looking for some practical tips to grow the awareness of your brand and make money using social media, then this is the episode for you. This episode's guest has reached tens of millions of people, has made six figures in just six months at age 22. Yeah, you heard me right. And has helped over 7,000 people jumpstart their speaking careers. All while he's running a PR firm. That's impressive, right? Our guest today is the 22-year-old Kyle Dindy, and he's the founder of PR agency Dindy Media and a speaker who's reached tens of millions of people online and thousands more in his nationwide speaking tours. Over the last few years, he's worked with celebrities, influencers, entrepreneurs, and more as his own influence continues to grow. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so I'm going to let you just dive right in. Hey, hey, Kyle. Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast. Hey, it's an honor to be here. I'm really excited to see where this conversation is going to go. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And I know you have a really interesting story that so many people can relate to because you had a goal in mind. And in your case, it was college football that seemed to be taken away from you. So can you tell our audience a bit about that and you know how you began doing what it is that you're currently doing? Of course. So for the longest time, college sports was my aspiration. I grew up in Texas. And so football is a really big thing and a really big deal. And I was playing really well. I had the chance to, um, as a freshman in high school, be a starter on the varsity team. I was getting invited to camps and traveling around the country to different places to play in different kind of all-star games, things like that. But then when I was a sophomore in high school, I unexpectedly had an ankle surgery. And right then and there, it seemed like something I had worked so hard for was taken away. But being in sports, being in Texas, I worked hard. I did all the training recovery to get back. And then sure enough, my junior season, which is the biggest season when it comes to recruiting and everything of that sort, I was just visiting my doctor, just getting a checkup on my ankle where I had the surgery just to make sure everything was okay. And I said something to him. I said, hey, by the way, my knee has been hurting for a few years now. It's probably nothing, but I just want to let you know. And he said, okay, it's probably nothing, but let's get an MRI just in case. And we got that MRI. He came back and he said, Kyle, I've got bad news. Your patella tendon is 85% torn and you're going to need surgery right away. 
And so I didn't even go to this appointment for that reason to get my knee checked out. But all of a sudden, I found out I was going to have my second surgery of that year. This was 2014. And then to give you a little a little background that's going to add some context, when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, my stepbrother and I, uh, we wanted to be like rappers. We wanted to like record stuff and put it on YouTube and everything like that. And <laughs> I love so it. We, it. It was funny. I don't know if stuff is still up there, but we definitely recorded some stuff. So I had this recording mic and that's the reason I shared this story. And when I was recovering from the second surgery, some four or five years later, I was in our guest room downstairs because my knee was wrapped up. I was on pain medication, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason in the world, this recording mic was sitting next to me and I just plugged it in and in the most like cliche way, like plugged it in, hit record and just started sharing my heart. And out came these words of like inspiration and motivation. And then I took that recording, I threw it up on SoundCloud and I shared it to Facebook. And all of a sudden, people like really started to like that. And I started to like it as well. And what I found was that, you know, people talk a lot about following your passion. And I think there's truth to that. But like, I would have told you that my passion was football and that's all I'm passionate about. And so that's what I'm going to do. When in reality, one of the things that I was going to be even more passionate about, which was speaking and inspiring, I just hadn't discovered it yet. And so when I plugged that mic in and I shared that around and people started to like it and I realized I like it too. I was like, you know what, while recovering from this surgery, laying in bed, still in pain medication, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. So what I did while laying there still in pain medication, I literally just started typing and typing and wrote my first little book. This was at age 17. I started sending out all these messages and emails trying to land my first speaking engagement. And I ended up landing one at a local like Lions Club, a little local organization. And I had this big goal, this big aspiration that I kind of felt like God had put in my heart, but it seemed so far from where I was right now. But one thing about me is that like, I never looked down on those small opportunities and those small things. I just knew I wanted to be a speaker, whether that was on the big stage or the small stage. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in this conversation. Flash forward, probably some like five years later, I've had the chance to travel all around the country speaking reach tens of millions of people, do stuff with celebrities and influencers and and just all these amazing things that if I was still pursuing football, maybe that would have worked out, but I would have missed out on a lot of these other things that today I know without a doubt was all a part of my purpose. Oh my goodness, that's such a powerful story. And the thing is so many people would think that they're one passion. So at the beginning, you believe that that to be football, right? And exactly. This incident that happened, which pulled you away from what you thought was the driving force, the passion of yours that you wanted to do forever. When this thing came and pulled you away from it, you were able to find something that you were even more passionate about. And I love how you tell that story because it shares that, you know, when there is a door that closes, we always have even greater ones that open. So I really appreciate you sharing that. But it must have been heartbreaking when you got that, you know, message from your doctor about your knee. It was heartbreaking. It was devastating because it wasn't just, I think it's one thing, by the way, I want to clarify, you know, I wasn't the number one athlete in my class or anything like that. But my point was like, I had opportunities and I had um, college coaches calling me. And so I think it's one thing if all of that is so distant where it doesn't even seem like it's in reach. It's another thing when those things seem so in reach and then they're taken away. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I've learned about that is like, 
people are so busy. And if anything, like this whole pandemic thing has showed us that, that we, as people have had, have had to slow down, but in that busyness, what we often don't realize is that, you know, these purposes and, and dreams and goals that we have, a lot of times we're so busy doing what we're doing now that we don't have the time or at least the focus to go and actually take the time to see what it would actually take to do these things. And so um, back to what you said about kind of that being taken away so suddenly, like it was so devastating in the moment, but it was so necessary for where I was trying to go and where I was supposed to go. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I just love that you picked up the mic and started creating that podcast for SoundCloud. Do you remember what exactly you were talking about in that first episode? I don't specifically. All I know is that it was super cringy looking back. Like (laughs) it was like... Our beginning things are always that way. It was the most like you could tell I just was like reciting things that I read in a self-help book or something. And like, (laughs) it's funny because like in those moments, I felt like, man, I'm a great speaker. Like I felt like I'm doing this really well. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like I've grown so much since then. And that's not just speaking, that's anything. But I would just tell people because I think a lot of people where they are right now, they don't look at it with confidence. And so they aren't going to stick it out long enough to get to those, you know, bigger places, but you have to decide and whatever it is that you're doing, like, are you just doing it for the platform? Are you doing it for the process? Because what you'll find is that a lot of the emotions and excitement and awe that you think is at the top of the mountain is really in the climb. That is a tweetable. Are you doing it for the platform or are you doing it for the process? And so many who've even been on this podcast have spoken to that point where the first things that you do usually aren't that great, right? But in order to get better, you have to start somewhere. When I look at my old YouTube videos, I cringe too. Even when I read my first book, my book that's out there, right? I'm just like, uh, like, oh, I should have said it this way because you develop and you grow, but you can never grow if you don't start. So I, yeah, I love that you shared that. And you've had an entrepreneurial spirit for quite some time. I read that you were shining shoes at, you know, for $2 (laughs) at age seven and you grew your online business to six figures in just six months at 22. So do you think that we're born entrepreneurs or is this something that we can grow into? I think we all have like that entrepreneurial drive, whatever you want to call it. I think we can all like develop it. But I do think that some innately, and I'm not saying nobody can become an entrepreneur, but I think some it's in them. Like it's in my blood to where there's, I could not do anything that doesn't tap into that. And I think as an entrepreneur, and I know you're one as well, so you relate to this. One of the reasons that like, it's important to have some of that in your blood is like, you have to be able to take risks, but also like be okay with risks. Like for me, I don't think I look at risk. I'm sure you're similar or look at what people call like failure in the same way that a lot of people do. A lot of people look at things like that as something to avoid. Whereas I know for me, like there's a a pastor named T.D. Jakes and he was talking to his son and his son was in music school and he was saying, dad, I think this is for me music, but what if it's not? And he said, if it's not, his dad said, if it's not the thing, it'll be the thing that leads to the thing. And what I've found and learned in my life is like shining shoes in second grade. When I made my first, somebody paid me a $20 bill. I thought I was rich. That felt like the biggest, like, <laughs> man, I, I hit, you know, that six figure market felt like, and obviously it was a small thing. But that same drive and that same look that I probably had in my eye back then hasn't left for a moment. And um, 
you know, one of my favorite things about entrepreneurship is like when I look back at my life now, my younger self, like I'm living what if you asked me back then, what do you want to do and be when you grow up? I would have told you, like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I think you can develop it, but having it innately in you and if it's something you know you cannot shake, then I think it's worth pursuing. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Mm-hmm. I really, really love it. And it reminds me of a podcast episode I had with my friend Perry a few months ago. And she mentioned, you know, who we are is who we've always been, but she just learned not to fight it early on. So she's been yes. doing this entrepreneurial thing for so long. But when you shared that T.D. Jakes quote just now, I got goosebumps where you're like, if it's not the thing, it'll be the thing that leads to the thing. Yes. And that takes away some of that fear many people have around it, too, because it's like, what's the worst that can happen? I always say we're living our worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is he did music and either, you know, people didn't like it or, you know, he realized he didn't like it, but people wouldn't like it. And he wouldn't realize he didn't like it if he never did it, you know, so he's already yes. living that worst case scenario. So I absolutely love that you even brought that up. Yeah, 100%. And I know you've helped over 7,000 people. That's a lot of people get onto stages and jumpstart their speaking career with your speaker secrets course. So I'm excited to talk about that in a bit. But how did you get into speaking? I know you started saying you did the podcast. Well, like what was the next thing after that? And right. what exactly are those secrets that aspiring speakers need to know? So can you give us a couple of those? Yeah. So like you said, we've helped and it grew so fast, like 7,000 people from all around the world. And they were landing, especially before the pandemic, TEDx talks, schools, businesses, all these types of speaking gigs. But I would love to tell you how I got started specifically and like actually practically landing speaking gigs. And then I would love to, of course, share some practical steps so that people can apply it. Like if they don't buy a program that I have or anything, but they just listen to this podcast, like I want them to actionably be able to take stuff away. So practically speaking- I um, love I, that. You're my type of podcast. Yeah, yes. no, like I, I don't love want to that. hold stuff back. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is how things kind of went down for me. I was in 17 recovering from that surgery and I wanted to land speaking gigs, invites. I wanted to be invited in as a motivational speaker, right? And so when I was 16, our school speech and debate club, whatever you want to call it, they introduced that to our school for the first time. I did this speech competition. I had never done anything like it before. I ended up winning. And I was like, okay, this is another thing that was like, okay, this is something that I'm interested in and passionate about. But again, like that doesn't mean I'm being invited in to go speak places. And so what I started doing was I got like an Excel spreadsheet in my computer and I just made a list of like all the local organizations that I could possibly think of. And a lot of this was, uh, there's like, if you're at least in the States, actually, these are definitely international as well, but Rotary Clubs, um, Lions Clubs, a lot of these like civic organizations that I knew were meeting on a routine basis. 
And so what I did is I literally made a list of like a hundred of them and I emailed every single one. And now when I show people how to like reach out to decision makers, I show them how to do it with a super simple, probably one to two sentence script. I sent like my whole life story, like a book format and like this email to them. <laughs> and I send it out to a hundred different places. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on a speaking tour with this. And I can't even make this up. Like one of them responded. It was the Grapevine Lions Club. That's Grapevine is a city where I grew up. I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. Like I'm going to show up in a suit. It's going to be this big business meeting with, you know, hundreds of people. I'm going to be the keynote speaker, all this stuff. And so, man, I love this story. So I showed up in my suit. Uh, I guess it was 17 years old, like ready to rock and ready to go, ready to go. And I show up and there's literally one person there and he's like mopping the floor He has absolutely no idea who on earth I am. And already for my first speaking engagement, I'm feeling so uncomfortable, so confused if I'm even at the right place. And he's like, well, I guess you can go and take a seat, I guess. And it's literally just me and him, this guy who doesn't know who I am. And then sure enough, one other person shows up and it's the lady who actually told me that I could come to speak. And then a few more people showed up. At this point, there's probably like five people there. The median age was, I mean, at least 65, 60. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 66. And mind you, like I'm 17 years old. This is the part of the story that I really want to share with people and make sure they get and understand. Like I, in that moment was pretty down. Like I was like, man, this is not what I expected. I wanted to be at some business conference speaking. Like I want to be essentially where I dream going, all this stuff. But then I was like, why on earth would I waste this opportunity? This opportunity, why would I look at this any smaller and not use this at least as an opportunity for me to grow? And so I went up there in front of that group while they're all eating some salad and pie. I honestly, looking back, it was such a blur. I don't even know what was happening, but I stood in front of them and I said, hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Dindy. I'm a 17 year old motivational speaker. And today I'm here to teach you how to master your past. And I said it with confidence and boldness. And I gave this whole speech, sharing my story, the things that I've overcome in my life. And I promise you the same passion that I gave at that opportunity with five 60 to 70 year olds in the room is the same passion that I gave last November when I got to speak. Um, Literally, I believe it's the biggest church in America. There were 17,000 people in the crowd. That same passion, though, I gave when there were seven people in the room. And that's something that I think a lot of people get wrong. They think that they'll give it their all when the opportunity comes. But the truth is the opportunity is not going to come if you're not giving it your all. And so whatever that looks like for you as a, a listener right now, whether you're an author, a speaker, a coach, an entrepreneur, a teacher, whatever it is that you aspire to do, don't think that you're going to somehow conjure up this energy and this passion in the big opportunity if you're not willing to give that in the small. So that's kind of how I started. I was literally just sending out random emails. And then we got to a point where people were starting to ask me how I was doing it. Because after you know, I graduated from high school, some really big opportunities came. I had the chance to be on the television show. The clip from that went viral. So I was getting invited to speak all around the world. And um, from that point, people were asking me, okay, Kyle, how can I land speaking gigs too? And at first I would just send a couple of messages here and there in response. I would do this, do that. But then I was like, I got to build a course out of this. And um, I built my speaking course called Speaker Secrets. I literally filmed the first version of the course like sitting in my parents' kitchen, just screen recording. Um, And we've since developed it, of course, since that. But 
very quickly, over 7,000 people joined it. Some of the very practical things that I show them how to do is I help them understand, first of all, that, you know, as a speaker, you want speaking invites, but as an event organizer, for example, if you're organizing an event, you need speakers. And so a lot of times we think as a beginner speaker, they don't want me to speak, but if you can find the gold in your story, there's somebody that needs to hear that and wants to hear that. So what I basically show them how to do is find their niche. So schools is a really easy one because there's some public databases that, you know, you can find all the schools within a certain mile radius of your area. But then let's say you're doing schools. I would have somebody on my team scrape the emails of, let's say if it was schools, we would do guidance counselors, principals, and assistant principals. And we would craft a little tiny script that it would say, hey, I'm reaching out on behalf of Kyle Dindy, speaker. We do this, this, and this. And it would have a link to a small landing page where they could learn a bit, a little bit more. But then you can do this in any niche, but this is a, a secret that we've been using that I want to give practically to everyone listening. If you open your email inbox right now, you probably have a lot of different brands and companies and even people who are emailing you from their list. And it has some long subject line that is obviously promotional and all this stuff. And so we scraped all of that. And what I would literally do, and I have all my students do this as well, is when we were sending these emails out to get booked to speak, the subject line was the same every single time. And it was two words. It was quick question. And I would literally for the first and second word, do it in lowercase. And the reason we do that is because it looks the exact opposite of a spam or marketing or promotional, anything that you open your email and you're like, I don't want to open this. But when you see someone say quick question in the subject line and it's all lowercase, that looks like it's coming from a friend or from family or from a colleague or something like that. And you're going to open it. And so the first step is to get them to open it. And then from there, we like sending them to you know, a landing page. And I would have my clients make a simple video that says, Hey, you know, schools in this, Hey, Atlanta schools, thanks for taking a minute to consider me as a speaker. And we would literally do this and book entire speaking tours for some of my clients. I mean, we've done it for myself and we have 7,000 plus people in that program who are using that to land TEDx talks, um, business gigs, paid gigs, free gigs, virtual gigs. But that quick question thing is a real lifesaver when it comes to uh, getting people to open that. Yeah, that's a gem. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. It was so much that I loved about what you were talking about. So I want to backtrack a little bit where you started talking about creating that Excel spreadsheet and, you know, sharing while writing down all the clubs and things like that. I was actually a Rotary Exchange student. So as soon as you said Rotary Club, I knew exactly what you were talking about. And you said you were 17 years old. So that was five years ago, right? Because you're 22 now. I was 17. The speech competition was actually through Rotary. That was at 16. Oh, wow. So, but you're 22 now, right? So this, yes, when you 22. did the spreadsheet, yeah, that was five years ago. Okay, awesome. I love that you said you have to have that opportunity to grow. You need the opportunity to practice truly. And you gave some really great advice when you said you can't conjure up a really great opportunity if you aren't able to perform at the smaller ones. And so many people need to grasp that because we have these big visions, which are amazing. We should have them. We should be dreaming while awake, right? But we need to understand that these little blessings are just as important. They're just as monumental to get us to where we need to go. So we need to be treating them like they are the big thing because that's how they become or we grab the big thing is by treating these like they are. So absolutely loved it. And this quick question, of course, was awesome. 
there was one other thing I had to ask you about this. So when you got the 7,000 people for that e-course, like how did you set that up? Did you do a webinar? Was it like SEO and you drove people to the landing page for that site? Like what was it that got the people there to even know that this course existed? So looking back, I would have done a lot of other things from email marketing, probably SEO, all that kind of stuff. But I did pretty much everything with Facebook and Instagram ads. Right now, I have different offers that are more in like the $500,000 price point range. But when I first started this, I made it like a $19 course that had different upsells and everything. We later bumped it up to 37 and um, I was literally just running ads. And so we got to the point where I think it was one day in December, we put like 300 plus students inside of the course in a single day. And now kind of pivoting to the entrepreneurship side of things. My favorite thing about ads is like, once you set everything up, of course you want to continue to optimize and tweak things and make things better. But like that course was raking in sales while I was in March in New York city at my wedding, getting married. Like my phone is just going off again and again and again, as people would get inside the program. And so it's great to have like, um, you know, some organic methods of growing, you know, your product, whatever it is. But if you can find a way to dial in ads or something that's more automated, that is one of my biggest recommendations. I know it can seem overwhelming to people and I don't recommend people just throw money at it without knowing what in the world they're doing. But if you can get that down, that is a system that, I mean, I just watched a documentary on it called Social Dilemma and um, it oh, talks I'm about- I'm going to watch it. Is it a good yeah. one? Okay. It, it is. I have it, it on my two watch list. It definitely is. And it, as somebody like me who uses Facebook ads to advertise my thing, my stuff, it demystifies a little. I feel like I have a, a relatively good understanding, maybe more than some people about like the algorithm, but it really helps demystify like how smart that thing is. And um, I would rather use that to help me get sales than just try to manpower and do everything one by one. That's definitely my recommendation. You need to find a way to implement that, even if it's just retargeting people who have already visited your site. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going on a little bit of a sidetrack with this because I'm so intrigued by it. When you ran the ads to the landing page for your course, like what was that ad? Was it a video ad? Was it just words? Was it a picture? Like what was that right. thing? Or did you have multiple different ones? Which one performed best? Like now I just want to know all the things. Of course. <laughs> So to the ads, yeah, you definitely want to be testing different creatives and that's the videos and images. I have two ads that worked extreme, two creatives that worked extremely well. And I couldn't have guessed that these would be the ones. It was only through testing. One of them was a picture. My mom literally took it in her backyard. So one of the most popular types of gigs that people were landing with my program was TEDx. And I had landed used my scripts, the exact stuff that I used to land multiple, get multiple TEDx invites as soon as like, you know, within a couple hours of even start sending out the script. And so I have this big sign, I guess you could say made that I was holding and it said TEDx and then under it, it said speaker invite. And like, you couldn't even see my face. I was just holding it, but it was like, so in your face and some people hated on it. And of course, Kyle, you I it. think I've seen it. Oh, you no, have. You I have. have. Okay. I think this may be how we even found each other then. Cause I do remember seeing that. Okay. Keep going. But no, now I'm excited because that definitely showed up. I want to say it was on Instagram for me. Yeah. It's funny because I spent so much money, like profitably, but so much money running that. Like at one point I literally changed the name of the ad in the Facebook ad manager to cash cow. Cause it was one that I could just, <laughs> I could just turn on and off at will. I mean, looking back at it, there's reasons why that one worked so well. It was like, 
you knew very clearly, like it's about, you know, speaking invites, but it was very in your face. And so that got people to the landing page. And then there was another one that I had that, man, I took clips from me speaking. I took, I did all these crazy edits and all this kind of stuff. And it was a 60 second video and it had all this stuff popping up and happening. But essentially it started out like, Hey everybody, my name is Kyle Dindy. And if you give me the next 60 seconds of your time, I'm going to show you how I landed, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was super quick. There was captions, all this stuff, but it made you want to click. And uh, the big tagline that I had that I think actually helped a lot in addition to those creatives was my big line was how I landed um, 20 speaking gigs in 10 days. Now to back that up, like I had landed a lot of stuff just as my own stuff had grown, just like naturally it had just come to me as I had like grown my social media and, you know, was just in different places but that's not really a teachable system. I can't just tell people have an online presence and you'll land gigs. Like that's not a, and something they can implement right away. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to do this if nobody knew who I was at all. And so I went back to what I did at 17. I did some stuff with Rotary, with stuff like that, with TEDx. And I was like, how many can I land in a week? And I ended up doing 10 days, landed 20 gigs. And so that summer, I guess it was two summers ago, uh, maybe last summer, something like that, did a whole speaking tour around like the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area where I was living at the time. And um, yeah, I think I kind of maybe got off track, but that's how that came about. But those are the two creatives. That's what it was that, that I was running. So I had that in your face TEDx ad. And then I also had the video ad. And so now like, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but I have like a PR agency. And so I'm in that stage again of testing out different creatives, trying to find that winner. Oh my goodness. So much information, even in you sharing that story, because sometimes it's that guerrilla marketing that works. And while I understand that, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads aren't guerrilla marketing, it's you holding that sign, something that's, you know, so grassroots, I guess, you know, some people may pay for a thousand dollar photo shoot and get all these fancy pictures, but your mom <laughs> took this of you in her yeah, yard, on, right? On, a, on an iPhone that everybody has. Listen, so that just goes to tell us that sometimes we're overthinking the creative process. Sometimes it's the most th obvious things that are right in our face. And I'm just so excited because now I remember seeing that ad, like it's vaguely in my memory, but I remember seeing it multiple yeah. times. And because I had seen it so many times, I did click on it. So so yeah, I remember that for sure. And I would love to touch on something you said really, really quick. And sure. you said something about people overthink things. And a lot of people, they're like, I can't start my podcast until I buy all the equipment mm -hmm. that Joe Rogan or the biggest podcaster has. I was out in California with like a very, very well-known like artist, celebrity, and they were recording, they were working like a, a album. And the track that they were using like he had recorded on the voice memos of his iPhone and think about how many people are like, man, if I want to be in music, I got to like have all this stuff. When the phone in your hand has more technology than they sent somebody to the moon and back with the first time, this phone, that. yeah, like whether you have iPhone, I mean, even Androids now too, like you don't need all this fancy stuff. I was at a recording studio for like video stuff um, a few days ago and I have like a, a fancy camera with like a fancy attachable mic and everything. And the mic wasn't working. So I just set my phone down on like the table in front of me and just did hit record on the voice memo. And it came out crystal clear. They put so much technology into this stuff, but we still find ways to really just 
delay the process because of some sort of fear, but you don't need all this fancy stuff. Like if you want to start a podcast, you don't have money to go buy equipment and you have an iPhone, use voice memos, start somewhere. And that's going to start you on that process to where you can start upgrading as you go. 100%. Like my very first episode on this podcast, I was waiting for my mic to arrive and I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. So I just pulled out my headphones, like not even the earbuds, the ones that came with the iPhones before, <laughs> yeah. like the long cord. And I recorded with that. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. So my intro for all of my episodes are still with that. Yes. And I have also recorded podcasts using the voice memo. We overthink it. My first YouTube videos. And when I say videos, I mean like at least 10 of them were on my iPhone, right? Yeah. So we definitely overthink it. And as we begin to get better and we practice and, you know, we begin reaping the rewards of what we're doing anyway, then you can allow that to pay for your equipment and all the fancy things, but definitely start with what you have. Exactly. And that's so cool. Learning that someone who you said it's a celebrity actually recorded something on their voice memo as well. The mic on that on your phone is pretty powerful for sure. I know it's incredible. Yeah. And I know you've reached 20 million people before the age of 20. And you once had 300 customers buy your course in one single day. So what would you say is the secret to that viral growth? Was it throwing a whole lot of money into the Facebook ads or was it something else? Let's break both of those down. So the 300 people in a single day, that was ads. But it was people ask me all the time when they're about to start, you know, running ads for something. They say this, they ask this question, how much should I spend? I understand where the question is coming from, but it's really the wrong question because if you have a vending machine and every time you put a dollar in, you get three out, you wouldn't ask how much should I put in? You would put it in until what seems like a bug stops happening. And so for me, like because of the, um, that was on a day where like I had really, I'm talking like made the micro variations, tested things on my landing page, my creatives and everything so much that like I was confident that there were certain things that I could just turn on and off. And that day we spent like quite a bit of money, but we made like multiple times more than that back. And so I was confident in spending like thousands per day, but you don't have to do that. I want to make that super clear because even saying a number of spend can be like, it's so relative it to what intimidating too. Yeah. Yeah. To what you're offering. We talk about that another time. That's a whole mindset shift when it comes to like spending money on, on marketing, but yep. That was a product of, and this is what I want to make very clear, of spending money on something that was proven. And by proven, I mean, I had tested the image. I had tested the landing page. I had tested the every word and maybe the emojis that I, I had tested all these different variables. So it wasn't a matter of, is this going to work? Am I going to waste my money? I had tested it every day for months. And so I was confident in pumping a lot of money into it. And then that was a day where things really just clicked. Not every day is a winner like that, but um, that was a day that was just like, wow, this just is a testimony of like what this platform can do. Now let's talk about, you know, the viral growth of the 20 million people um, by age 20. So when I first started speaking, oh man, this is gonna be a cool story. I keep, <laughs> you keep drawing out some really quick questions. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people, they think I can't, I shouldn't start a podcast or YouTube or whatever, because I don't have a lot of followers. People don't know. This is what I want to make very clear. Like when I was graduating high school, I got invited to be on this Christian television show and I got on that show and 
right before the show was ending, I had gone into it really believing like there was some stuff that specific stuff that I was supposed to share on the platform on that show. And it went by so fast. I think it was like my first or second like TV interview. And the guy, he was literally shutting down the show. Like it was time to, you know, to close down the episode. And I literally stopped him. And I said, like, I got one more thing that like I need to say. And um, I, I did. He was in tears. Everyone was like really moved by it. But then the producers told me, yeah, like this may not make the show because it was kind of like after the time limit. And so fast forward a couple months, like I didn't even know when it was about to air if that part had even made the show. But sure enough, it did. And I took that clip, like made it like a 60 second clip, I think. And um, I threw it up on my phone on my Facebook from my phone, which I never do, because usually when you post stuff from your phone, like sometimes it compresses it and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wasn't going to post it. Then I was like, eh, why not? And so I just threw it up. And this Facebook page had like no followers, maybe 50. Fast forward, like very quickly, that Facebook page went to 50,000 followers. And that video single-handedly reached 18 million people. What? I was at, I was at my, uh, my first traveling speaking gig. I flew to Pennsylvania and I was with my mom. She came with me and we were in the hotel room. I think it was the, the video views. I would like show her the phone. Then I would like do the swipe down where it like refreshes. And it would be like 300,000 more views, like seconds later. Now, I've had videos that I thought were cooler, that I thought were more likely to go viral, maybe videos that I like tried to say the right thing and it didn't happen again. And so I need people to understand, like, it's usually not going to be the one you thought would go viral or whatever that Mm -hmm. does, but it may be the one that you weren't going to post. And that's my story. That literally led to speaking invites from all around the world, speaking tours even. And so that's how that one came to be. I probably alluded to a few times in this episode, like I'm a Christian and I think like God had a message that he wanted his people to hear like at a certain time, like the timing was perfect for it. It was around like the whole 2016 politics, a lot was happening in the world. And I'm not like a political person, but I just touched on a couple of things and that video just went crazy. And so my big point from that, though, is I need people to understand, like, it very well could be that video that you're not going to post because you don't like how your hair looks or you don't like how, like literally somebody roasted me in the comments on that video about my hair, which I thought I actually had a really cool haircut, I think. But <laughs> somebody like, but people will always talk. Don't worry about how you look. People who need your video because it's going to touch them how they need to be touched. They're not looking at your hair. They're needing the message that you are sharing. And so that's a whole nother thing about what you're doing, what you're sharing. You should be in it because you think like this is what your purpose is, not just because you're trying to become an influencer or viral or famous or whatever. So, so, so much great information in that piece. And, you know, especially even at the end when you mentioned people will always talk. You have to just keep sharing. You have to share. It may not be the one that you think it usually isn't. And I mean, it's happened on a much smaller scale with like a random tweet I put up and it was only like a hundred thousand at the time or even up until this point, but it still went viral and it wasn't expected. And it was something completely random. I'm usually talking about business stuff where I have a quote of some sort. And this thing was a completely random tweet about a conversation I overheard. And I'm just like, really? But like you said, it's that the message, that thing that has to get out there. Someone needs to see or hear or, you know, view it. So for sure, I loved all of that. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. 
So that was the 18 million. And okay, so that was, you've answered both of those questions for me then. And just from what I hear, actually rewind a bit, because I also want to talk about how you also did a lot of research. So your ads and the things you do, they aren't random. So you were talking about you tested the emoji. And I even know, even when you're looking at like Instagram stories, you have that fire emoji at the end. So it's easy to see if you've looked at a video, right? So like you're sometimes you look at the videos and you're like, oh, wonder who saw saw this? Like what wonder who watched this story? And you scroll through the Instagram stories and yours easily stands out because you have the fire emoji at the end. And it's little things like that, that I'm sure you know are going to get people to see that it's you. So I just want to commend you on that because a lot of people aren't willing to do the work on the back end that allows them to do, you know, have less time spent when they're actually doing the thing, if that makes any sense. And it does. And I want to touch on that. Like there's people spending on ads $30,000, $40,000 per day. And the only reason somebody would do that or a company would do that is because it works. But you have to understand, like, if somebody's willing to do that, there's not the margin for not testing things is way too small. Like you're talking at that point, you know, you have a broken link and you just put $40,000 in the drain. And that's obviously not everybody that's spending that much, but you have to be willing to do the work, especially, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing ads, because with ads, it's not like organic where it's like, okay, if I didn't make a sale, I didn't make a sale. With ads, it's like, no, money is being spent. And so you have to optimize down to like the pennies because if at a small scale, when you're spending $100 per day, for example, and you're kind of profitable, you would think, oh, if I just quadruple the budget, how much it's spending per day, those margins are going to stay the same. That's not the case. The higher you scale up, you're going to lose some of those margins, but you know, at scale, they still add up to higher profit. But you have to be willing to do, you know, the nitty gritty, the, um, I mean, many of you, if you're in entrepreneurship are familiar with the term split testing. Oh, this is another thing that I want to say, which is while on that note, you don't want to do something just because it looks good to you, just because you like how it looks, just because you have like an emotional attachment to this picture compared to that one. Like you have to follow the data. Like Facebook has more data on anybody, probably even the government and it's an algorithm. So it's not like talking to somebody like, oh, should I let this ad win today? No, it's like you have to follow the data because all algorithms live and breathe off of is data. And if you feed it the right things, it will work. And so to some, that's not going to make any sense. But if you're kind of in this space, you need to really like if your landing page is converting at 1%, if you can make some changes and get that to 2%, that's doubling your money. And that Mm -hmm. seems small and most people wouldn't do what it takes to do that. But maybe you add a couple of testimonials. Maybe you add a countdown timer. Maybe you make the buy now button something that says get instant access. 1% to 2% seems small, but that's doubling your money. For sure. I agree with that 1000%. I test everything. So even email headers, right? So your email subject lines, like you could do A-B testing, the split testing with those just to see 
you know, which one performs better. So then you know how your audience reacts to different things as well. But 100%, even if I have a course or anything, I purchase it myself first. I want to take myself through the entire process to make sure there aren't any hiccups along the way. I then ask someone who knows nothing about the entrepreneurial space or anything like that to do it. I usually send them a freebie link because I have the option to do that with my business to send a freebie link just so they can go on the website, navigate and give me any issues they have. Like, oh, it was kind of confusing when I went here. That information is gold and you have to ensure that you're doing this work up front to make it easier for you afterwards. So yeah, I'm glad you did start talking about the split testing and things like that. We absolutely have to take on that data. Like dollars are in the data. I like to say that all the time. And I'm sure that's that's not mine. I've gotten that from some book I've read a long time ago, but dollars are in the data and you 100% have to, you know, focus your attention on it in order to see that outcome. So yeah, I love that. That's exactly it. I couldn't say it better. Yeah, you're a social media pro, right? So many people focus so much on these algorithms that are constantly changing. But what would you say are the most important things entrepreneurs need to do in order to nail social media? No, that's a great question. And I'm really passionate about this. I think that, you know, different people are on on social media for different reasons. Some just want to, you know, share with their family, some influencers, some business, things like that. But one thing you have to understand at the end of the day is that people can take this in different ways, but as the consumer who's using it, the influence or whatever, social media is a free app that you can download, that you have the opportunity to use. And so people can be like, well, my picture now isn't being shown. So, I mean, that comes with being a free app. Like the way that you can continue to use this app is because Facebook is being paid by advertisers. And so some things are going to be in their favor. And so people who are spending $10,000 a day or even a month or whatever, just using Facebook ads typically aren't the ones who are complaining about the algorithm not showing their pictures because they understand like if you have a business, especially you can't rely solely on just posting, Hey, we're doing this sale and everybody's going to see it. And you have to get into actual marketing and Facebook and Instagram ads, I think are an excellent way to do so. I think you should educate yourself on how to do it. But I think that's especially a big one. Another thing I would say about the algorithm is a lot of people get so caught up in their feed and how their feed looks. I don't want to mess this, that, or the other. I had a point in time where like, I thought I was doing good things with the algorithm by, I heard somebody say, you got to post three times a day. Literally, I did that for like a week and I've never been more miserable and not (laughs) not enjoying social Uh media. And so that makes me think, okay, why am I on this platform in the first place? At that point, like not even having fun with it anymore. So right now I post when I have something to say, um, I run ads all the time, but I'm not concerned with like, if my picture gets less likes than it did a year ago, I mean, I'm really not concerned with that. Like money wise stuff is coming from ads and impact wise. Like I believe like Even if I get 10 views, like somebody seeing it that needs it. And so I think a lot of it, though, comes down to people's insecurities. Uh, I think we really boil it down because a lot of the conversation around algorithms, I think if likes and comments and that kind of stuff wasn't publicly a thing, I think people would have be less concerned with the algorithm doing this out of the other. Mm -hmm. But I think when people have less likes or less, they feel like that somehow means they are inferior or they are less. And if you can escape that, man, I think that that will 
benefit your life, not just your social media. And you should definitely watch Social Dilemma, Shameless Plug. That talks a lot about that. But I think the algorithm is always changing. It's always going to change. Post, you know, great content, post stuff that you want to share. And if you're a business, run ads, like learn how to do it. You may not be profitable right away, but that is more sustainable than working on a free app and hoping that the algorithm doesn't change because if it does, it'll wreck your business. That is a sand foundation. And that's not how I want to build my business. Mm-hmm. Yes. 1000%. When you mentioned people's opinions about the likes and stuff being tied, it's really ego driven, right? Without a but doubt. I can promise you the posts that have done the best for me. And when I say the best, I mean, getting the most DMs, getting the most dollars onto the account, getting the most people saying that post was really impactful for them have the least likes, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the metrics that truly matter, you can't even see on the surface anyway. Those surface level metrics just aren't even what it's about. So yeah, I agree. And you can even see sometimes, one time I had a post and I shared it on Instagram that had less likes than it had shares. I had more people sharing it (laughs) into the DMs or on the stories and doing all these things and bookmarking it than I had likes. And that just goes to tell you, sometimes you have people who are silently viewing the page and that's okay, but don't look at what other people are looking at. Like who cares about the likes? Remember what the intention is behind the post. Is the post to create awareness about something? Is the post created to encourage somebody? You know, get back to the basics of figuring out what it's about. So I'm glad you even brought yeah. that up. Yeah. And with the ads, definitely you want to learn how to do them because you don't want to just throw your money away. Like you don't want to go and just boost posts, right? You actually no, want to use the ad that. managers. Yeah. yeah. And Abu Fafana, he's actually been on the podcast before. Yeah, he's a course. beast. Yeah. So he's a beast. He's um, really good at this kind of stuff. So if you guys need some help, go follow his page on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible at what he does. Yeah. He's really good. So thank you for that information as well. So I know since COVID, you've pivoted a bit from trying to get people on stages to creating a PR agency, which you touched on a little bit earlier, to get clients' brands noticed online. I guess my first question for you is, why do you think publicity is so important for small businesses? I think it's important because there's so much noise in the market. Like most industries, if you can get in an industry that's not... There's a term like red ocean, blue ocean. I'm going to butcher which one is which, but like if you can get in an industry that is not completely oversaturated, then more power to you. But a lot of people, you're in an industry where there's a lot of people that are trying to do something similar, run ads for something similar. And between that and the fact that a lot of people have been scammed before, they've been taken advantage of before, people are hesitant sometimes to, let's say, swipe their card or, you know, follow is a, metric that doesn't take as much of their commitment, but still people work with, follow with, buy from people that they know, they like, or they trust. And all those things are important. And a lot of times we work on building this amazing product and somebody, let's say just for example, has a lesser product, but it's marketed better, but they build more trust with the person who's potentially going to spend money with them better. And so that trust isn't there with you, even though your product is great and you know that. And so what we really focus on, I tell all my clients, like, look, when we do a story on you and we do get you some press, like you're going to get some organic traffic from it and that can be great. But the biggest benefit 
is the added social proof that you're going to get and how we can leverage that, how you can leverage that, whether you use it directly as an ad or whether you use it on your page. And people know they're not working with some like random person because it's one thing to speak on your own behalf and say, I'm the person. It's another thing when somebody else has written about you and from the outside is acknowledging you in the space that you're doing. And yeah, you mentioned um, Abu, what he does really well is, man, if you look at the comments on his videos, sometimes his ads, people will be like, man, I've been seeing this guy for every day for a year. <laughs> he and is the like, retargeting king, I'm telling he, you. <laughs> he is. And it's like the same people who are like, man, I'm buying now and it's been six months. Like a lot of times we think people would just buy on the first time they see us. But think about how much trust he has built with those people that he's been consistent with just retargeting because they've seen, okay, testimonial result, result, result. Okay. This person is consistent. I've seen his, the, just the face recognition again and again and again. And so PR, what we're able to do is kind of control the narrative. And obviously that comes with a lot of responsibility to do so ethically, but controlling the narrative, of what your brand or business, how it's perceived by the outside. Like if you don't do it, somebody else will like, imagine when you go to Amazon and a product has only one review and it has one star, somebody was just mad. It wasn't even a bad product. They're just mad. And they just wrote, oh, this product is not any good. This is that, that this that, and the other. And now you're like, okay, I'm not going with that product. You don't even know the person selling it, but you're like, okay, this person that wrote a review has broken trust with it. And so I think you should have a say as well in the narrative of your brand or business. And I think PR can be an excellent way to do so. Mm -hmm, for sure. I agree with that. So who would you say should be the ones that are seeking to get that publicity? Actually, before I even ask that question, let's retract a bit. You mentioned the red ocean, blue ocean. Someone listening may be like, what's that? There's actually a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. So what that means, they're basically using the analogy of like sharks in the water, right? So where there's red ocean, that means there's a lot of sharks, a lot of blood. They're all going after this thing. But if you can get into the blue ocean where there isn't, all that competition per se, right? When we're talking about business, that you have that unique thing or that thing that sets you apart, in this case, PR, then that's what's going to make you stand out. So that's um, just to give you a background on that. I'm back off of my, uh, my rent on a little rabbit hole, but back off No, that's of that. perfect. I, I needed the actual explanation too. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's hilarious. So who do you think should be seeking this publicity? And, you know, should, when you're at a certain point in your business or can you start getting PR at the very beginning? Like, what do you recommend? Yeah. I mean, the main people we work with specifically are like entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, and really the type that you like see really doing their thing like on social media, especially. I think anyone can benefit from it. I think as far as what stage, I think you should have a goal in mind. Like there should be a call to action at the end. Um, I think if you're launching a product, it can be great. Um, if you're trying to grow more awareness about a specific thing that you're doing, it can be great. But if somebody's like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, don't really have a business yet, but I'm just like kind of just trying things out. I would continue to try things out until you find that thing. Because I think one of the cool things that PR does is it kind of positions you as an authority within a certain space. And so if you don't have anything that you're like trying to be an authority on, then it may not be the best time. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there's a couple of different like ways that a person can get PR. You can like hire like a PR agent like me to help you do it. Or, you know, when you're doing your thing, Sometimes naturally stuff just comes your way. You get hit up. Hey, can I feature you in this, that, and the other? But as far as seeking it out, 
I would say you should have something in place that you're actually trying to grow, whether it's awareness of sales of something like that, so that when we do a story, an article, whatever it is on you, we can really focus in on that instead of it just being kind of a general feature. That makes so much sense. And you also get more benefit out of it too, right? Even Without a doubt. Yeah. Even though the organic traffic isn't what the focus is, if you have that call to action, then at least you can get that benefit from it outside of the building, the no like and trust factor too. So yeah, I agree 100%. So how can people find out more about you? Because I know people are now listening like, okay, I need to learn more from him. He's brilliant. I want to learn about the PR firm. I want to learn about the social media strategies more. I want to learn about the speaking engagements. Like where can they find out more about yeah. you, your agency, your offers? Like, is it best to find you on social or your website or what is it that's best? Or maybe the all no- of them. The number one place to connect with me right now is Instagram. Whether you send me a DM or you just check out the content that I've already posted, you know, the saved stories, I'll try to like continue to share some client results and things like that. Um, specifically, if you want to go directly to some websites, um, dindymedia.com right now is the agency website. That'll give you some information about what we do and also allow you to schedule a call with me just so we can put something together custom for you and what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build in the area the area of PR. Then I also have a website, just kyledindy.com. That's D-E-N-D-Y. That will tell you all about the different programs that I have. So right now we have a few different courses. One is called Speaker Secrets. That shows you how to land speaking engagements. It's not as relevant right now because it's mainly geared toward in-person, but you can definitely use the stuff you learn in there to land virtual speaking gigs. I have another one called Book Launch On Demand. And that shows you how to, you know, go from book idea to best-selling author. That shows you how to write and publish your own self-published book. And honestly, I'm pretty sure there's another course on there and I'm really going blank on it. But if you go to <laughs> kyledindy.com, you'll see the latest courses and opportunities that you have right there to connect with me. Awesome. And I will link to all that below in the show notes as well, just so they can find you on social, send you that DM on Instagram, and as well as find your websites. So there's one question I absolutely love to ask at the end of every single episode, and that is, what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me, man, it's the opportunity to, I mean, people word it different ways in what I'm trying to say, whether it's be your own boss, set your own schedule. Like for me, they talk about these different levels you could say and income for example where like your life usually isn't going to change all that much like if you're going from let's say you're making a hundred grand a month to now you're making 200 grand your life probably isn't going to change all that much but there are some thresholds where like man i don't have to go wait for somebody to tell me when i can go take a lunch break i can take my wife and i on a spontaneous trip and even more than that like on the day-to-day Like I can sit here at my desk and I can work when I want to work. I can play Xbox with my friend if I want to play Xbox with my friend. Freedom to me is just the ability to like choose what I'm going to do with my day. I think that's the best way that I can word it for me. Um, The ability to choose what my day looks like pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. So good. Thank you for all the gems, Kyle. Truly, truly appreciate it. I'm sure people are going to get so much information out of this and then get even more information once they go ahead and follow you on your social and, you know, check out your website and all of that as well. So thank you for hopping on. Oh, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for the great questions and the opportunity to hop on your podcast.
And there you have it. So good, right? Kyle knows his stuff. He shared so many gems in that episode about just moving and doing the thing, even if you aren't quite sure if you're ready yet. Just putting yourself out there and sharing. He just gave so many gems, even about the short little quick question in the subject line, like all the things. I'm going to link to all Kyle's social media links, as well as his websites, as well as even his book below in the description, just so that you can get on his radar for all things Kyle. And we will chat next time. Adios. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 